we are starting a new series next week. So today's kind of the promo of our series. And uh, did, I get a, did I get a uh-oh? Almost? Oh, no. Promo. Promo. So uh, the series we're going to be doing starting next week is going to be called Battlefield of the Mind. And it's based off of Joyce Meyer's best-selling book, The Battlefield of the Mind. And I've read it twice, and I'm into my third reading of it. And it is a life changer. It made a huge impact on my life uh, probably a good eight years ago. And then most recently, and now it's, it's reworking stuff inside of me. And I'm excited where and how I am growing. And I, and I, I believe strongly it's for our church. Like We need this. It will, it, I mean, of course the Bible is going to change your life. But this book will change your life. And it's, it, it, there's, there's a number of modern works that are genuinely inspired by the Holy Spirit. Uh, Purpose Driven Life is one of them. So when Rick Warren sat down and wrote that book, um, okay, keep in mind, Rick Warren, I don't know, it's questionable, but he's a Baptist. But the way that he describes writing this book is that he basically was anointed and baptized in the Holy Spirit, and it was just a full-on conscious flow. Like, he, he will say, I wasn't writing the book. The Holy Spirit was writing the book through me. And this uh, Battlefield of the Mind is in the same category. This book is definitely anointed. It will change your life. I'm not saying it's Scripture. I'm not saying any book that we read that's outside of the Bible is Scripture. But when they use it, when, they, when there's so much Scripture, in, you know, just embedded in the book and in the, in the way that it's, it, it just interprets the Scripture, it, it is important. And Joyce's work is, Joyce's work on the mind, it's huge. It really is. And, and it's for us and we need it. Uh, everything that we're dealing with in our society, uh, what our kids are dealing with in regards to anxiety and depression and all this stuff. Now, this book is going to address it. It's going to hit it head on and it will change your life. Even if you are a believer and you've been walking with the Lord for years, this book will change your life. So why, do, why does Granite Creek need it? Uh, why do you need it? Uh, why is this where, where I believe God's taking our church in this season? Because the series is going to be a long series. We're looking at, I'll probably adjust it here and there, but it's going to be at least 10 weeks, probably 14, 15 weeks in this series. And I am strongly encouraging you to stick it out, to be consistent, to do it, you know, read the book, you know, a chapter a week, a chapter, you know, however you want to do it, break it up, but be consistent in your, in your church attendance. And you're going to know people that are dealing, they're like, they're struggling with their thoughts, they're struggling with their attitudes. Uh, and, and they're Christians, but they're failing in life. No, you need to invite them. You, they, they need to be consistent in this. If you're not consistent in it, um, it, it's Sunday go to meeting, folks. There will be no transformation. So why is it important to Granite Creek? Let me just, uh, let me tell you, let me give you a little insight into our church why we're unique, why we're special. I want to talk about our, our mission and our vision 
uh, maybe just kind of reintroduce it to you, uh, some of these that you don't know it. Chances are you probably forgot about it if you're anything like me. Um, but basically, this sermon comes to you um, from one of your elders, Kathy McGarity. She sent me some information that got me thinking about, okay, let's talk about what we do as a church, what our mission is and what our vision is. So uh, our, our mission is... Anybody know what our mission is? No, that's our vision. You guys are close. So our mission is relationship and not religion. So what we do, our mission, what we live and what we try to practice out is really boiled down into something very simple. It is just a relationship with God and not a religious expression or not a systematic approach. It really is grassroots. In addition to that, our mission with relationship with God translates into a relationship uh, it's very difficult, but a relationship with one another. So we have to have a relationship with God over religion, and we need to be connected relationally with one another that is not manipulative or controlling, but yet speaks the truth in love. So the scripture that this idea is based off of is Mark twelve twenty nine through 31. They asked Jesus, this is red letter stuff, by the way. They asked Jesus, what's the most important commandment? What, what is it that we got to do? They're asking Jesus, what is our mission? What is it that we do? Jesus says, this is the most important one. It is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your Mind, that's what we're going to talk about today, and with all of your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. And there, are, there is no greater commandment than these. So do you guys, this is it. This is the relationship thing that we're talking about. It's holistic. It is every part of you. It is your mind, body, soul, and strength. Uh, I, I love this amplified interpretation of the scripture. Uh, I think this is going to be up on the screen. Same scripture, different translation. So Jesus answered, the first and most important one is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart. When we engaged in worship this morning, when you go deep, In your spirit, you are engaging God with your heart. A little bit of a cultural mix-up. This is not the same heart that we see on Valentine's Day. Uh, That heart is basically your emotional makeup. It is, you know, feelings and, and romance and, you know, all that kind of stuff that gets us in trouble. The heart that we're talking about right now is the very core of your being. It is the house that holds your spirit. And, you know, I don't have any proof, but this is the way that I think, and this is how I see it. This is how I believe. I believe that when we are made in God's image, he imparts into us his spirit. And this is what makes us unique. This is what separates us from the animal kingdom. 
big, okay, well, uh, since we're talking about our church and mission, vision, and values, like one of our, uh, one of our cultural values is that you have to be an animal lover in our church. It's just the way that it is. You know, you, so, you know, if you come and visit during the week, you just might run into a dog. Like somebody's, I mean, seriously, this is how laxed I am because I like animals. Or a bird. Or somebody's cat. I mean, it's just, they're in the office all the time. We love animals. And I love my animals so much. I even have this crazy thought that they might even have a soul. Like, I think Goliath is going to be in heaven with me. Um, Bo, I don't think Bo is going to <laughs> heaven. Bo is going to the other place. And so I love my animals. I think they have a soul. But here's the difference. They don't have a spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't mingle with their spirit. We are made in the image of God. So what, what I think... Scientists say that there's only like 1% difference between us and chimpanzees. Like, what? Really? That explains some things, doesn't it? <laughs> now we're so unique. We're so special. We create things that don't exist. We put men on the moon. We, uh, we, we're creating a whole new life form in and of itself called artificial intelligence, which ought to be scaring the pants off of everybody right now. No, we are absolutely amazing because we're made in God's image. And our heart is what makes us different, our spirit. So when you think about, when the Bible says heart, it's talking about your spirit, okay? Love your Lord your God with all of your heart. And with your whole soul, with your life. Now, this is where you get into the emotions of things, be a little bit passionate about loving your Lord. If you're not passionate in your prayer life, if you don't think that your prayers are going to move God, I don't think God's going to move for you. Like, you've got to mean it when you pray it. You've got to feel it when you worship. We are, I mean, we don't want to be emotional basket cases, but at the same time, we don't want to be like zombies walking around either. God made us with emotions, and all of them are real, and all of them are valid. Some of them are out of control. Some of them uh, need to be lit up a little bit. And so when we love God with all of our soul, that means that, well, our emotional intelligence needs to be tuned up too. We need to love him with our core being and of our emotions. Your life. And with all of your mind, your thought, and your understanding. Okay, so this is almost the intellectual side of things, but I'll give it a... Today we're going to be looking at it even a little bit deeper. Like, when we say that you need to love God with all of your mind and all of your thought, I do think it's kind of two-pronged. One, that we need to recapture the Christian mind in that, that well, we just shouldn't be dumb Christians. You need to speak halfway intelligently about the scriptures. You need to know it. You need to have a grasp of it. You need to be able to give a decent defense of your faith. So there's that whole aspect of it. Uh, one of the things that I'm going to really challenge everybody to do starting next week is scripture memorization. Like we're going to memorize stuff. We're going we're gonna to work out your brain. But there's also other things that are really confusing about the mind. And it's like the stuff that we think about. Like the dangers that takes place when we think things that don't belong in our brain. 
And this is what we're going to talk about in the, in the, in the series. All right, and then all of your strength, your abilities, your, your skills, your, your body, like your energy, okay? And the second, you shall unselfishly love your neighbor as yourself, and there is no other commandment greater than these. So this is a series on, it's a topical series on spiritual formation. I need to, I need to, I need to be continually to be transformed. Like I need, I need more spiritual formation. Granite Creek, the body, what you guys, I want to encourage you strongly. You need spiritual formation too. If I need it, you need it. Where God is calling us and the way that he is leading us, you're going to need more. You, you, you can't just, we just can't stay plateaued here. I'm going to push us hard to grow spiritually. Spiritual formation. And it is, when it's relational, and if you're married, you know this, marriage requires work. And guess what? So does your, um, your spiritual formation. It's going to require a little bit of work. Now, there's pleasure in the work, believe it or not. Uh, you might think initially when, when I, I don't know, probably a lot of you bristled when I said scripture memorization, Right? But here's the, here's the good thing about Scripture and memorization. Jesus says that my burden is light, meaning that once you get into the rhythm of it, you're going to take pleasure in his burden because it's going to change you. You're going to think about the world differently, and it's just going to, like, your whole persona will change. Um, but it's like anything else. One day I was looking in the mirror, and I was like, oh, man. Josh, come on, dude. You need to, you need to lose some weight. Hmm? Have you done this one? You looked in the mirror and like, dang, where did that hat? Where the, you know, <laughs> how'd that chubby old guy get in the mirror? You know, what what is going on, right? When you become my age, it's like I used to work out because I wanted to eat tasty food, right? Now, like that's changing. And here's, this is what we know about human nature. When you look and you have a hard, hard look at your, your physical self, you're like, oh, man, I need, to, I, need to go on a, I need to go on a diet. And so when I saw that, okay, I've put on some weight and I need to, I need to, I need to shape up a bit. So I go on a diet. And so like I'm, two, I'm two, two days into this diet where I'm eating twigs and berries and grass and salad and it's just like so miserable right two days just only two days and and i'm after those two days i'm looking in the mirror like oh i'm starving to death i'm so gaunt i'm i'm withering away i can oh my gosh i can see my ribs Underneath all that fat that still hasn't gone away, because it's only been two days. It doesn't go that fast, folks. But see, in my mind, I'm thinking that I'm literally starving to death. I think that there's been change that has been made because I've, because I've applied two days of discipline. And now, like, I'm Gandhi or something. Huh? Have you done this? Just because you're starving to death, you think that you're a rail and you're skinny? Same situation. Oh my gosh, Josh, you're getting really soft. Time to hit the gym. So I go to the gym. 
start, you know, pumping some iron. Like, so I could feel the muscles tearing underneath my fat. And then I, you know, two days of lifting weights, right? And feeling the burn and feeling the pain. And then all of a sudden, I just think, in my mind, I think that I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger. So, you know, my, my whole body has changed, right? I think I'm an athlete because I worked out two days in a row. Same misconception when you look in the mirror and, you know, just because you like, you buffed out your arms for like a day and you think that you've transformed. But in reality, all that you've really done is that you just torn muscle underneath your fat and you have no, seriously, that's what's going on. And it's because there's like a little, you know, inflammation. You're just like, Oh my gosh, I'm now I'm sexy. Like I better, I better quit working out or I'm going to like tempt all these women with my, cause I'm just way too sexy for myself right now. I'm too sexy for this shirt and I'm so sexy. It hurts. Right. Just, and so you just, you see what I'm saying? And we, we apply the same exact logic to our spiritual lives. I went to church on Sunday and now I'm an expert on end times theology, Right. It doesn't work that way, folks. It, our spiritual lives are no different than our financial life. It's no different than our physical life. It's no different than dieting. It requires work. It's very difficult for me to even say that because I don't like religion. Jesus doesn't like religion, but he does like spiritual discipline because God loves those and he disciplines those he loves. So we got to get it. You really do. In this day and age, if we're not disciplining ourselves spiritually, if we're not headed towards spiritual maturity, I've seen it. The devil's going to take our lunch money. He's just, he, he can and he will. Um, the next part of our what we do as a church, and this is our vision, our, our vision for our church is to literally see family life transformed by heaven. Families transformed by heaven is our vision, specifically family and culture. Once we begin, once we get the Holy Spirit into our family lives, and the, the, the transformation begins to take place in our family life. And then, I mean, this is what we, this is what we saw in the book of Acts. This is what we see in every revival in history. Once the family begins to transform, their neighborhoods and their cultures and their communities begin to transform. And so this is our vision. We have to figure out how to get our family life to transform. This is what we want to see. And this is going to be the key part. Again, I want uh, this series, Battlefield of the Mind, why are we doing it? Well, one is because we we need to get out of religion mode and we need to get into relationship mode. But number two, we need need more transformation. I need more transformation. You need more transformation. And we need to see it take place. Now, this is the important part that we need to get when it comes to transformation. You know this verse very well. This is Romans 12, 2. It says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
All right, so where does transformation take place? It takes place in this thing. In the mind is where spiritual transformation takes place. Now, we just talked about your whole spirit. We talked about your emotions. But now, and then we talked about your mind, right? Like, so there's like a discipline that needs to take place in the mind. You know, scripture memorization and thinking right thoughts, whatever you want to say. But no, no, the transformation takes place first in the mind. The, sp- the spirit will prompt you. What, like, uh, have you ever been convicted about your thoughts? Oh, yeah. Gary's honest. Have you just been going along with your everyday life, thinking your normal thoughts? The thoughts that you always think when you get up in the morning, when you take a shower, when you go to work, and out of nowhere, there is... I even hate to use this word because I'm trying to keep everything positive. But out of nowhere, there's a conviction that comes in. There is an external force that comes in and convicts you of what you're thinking about. And it could be anything from just beating yourself up, you know, verbally to a bad thought, to an impure thought, whatever it may be. You know, it comes in, and, it, and, the, and when the Holy Spirit, via, via your spirit, this, this mingling of the, spi- of the spirits, your spirit and God's spirit, the mingling of those two spirits is going to say something to your brain, and that says, you need to quit thinking that way. It's because the Holy Spirit's out to transform you, and he's got to get it from, from the spirit into the, into the mind to begin to change the way that you think. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the way that the scripture says it. If we're going to put it into modern terms, you need to rewire the thing. You need to reprogram your computer because all of the synapses are wrong. All of the everything that, that, that your search engine is pointing to is going to the wrong places. And we need to start pointing it to going to the right places. Um, our sight, our vision for our own lives. When we, when we want to see transformation, I'll say stuff like, you know, I can see it. And sometimes in the spirit, I can actually see things in the natural. But most of the time, I'm seeing what God is doing through spiritual eyes. And as we begin to grow and develop in our spiritual maturity and spiritual formation, the eyes of our heart and the ears of our heart are going to be in tune to what God is really doing. We're going to see where he's leading. We're going to see where he's guiding. And what you look at with your spiritual mind, your mind's eye, if you will, what you look at, what you focus on, is what you will initially become. It's a very strange and negative world that we live in. And it's competing. The negativity is competing for your mind. Um, the way that Joyce Myers puts it, and I, and I just, it's, it's absolutely applicable, is that 
there's, there's spiritual warfare going on. We have a kingdom theology here in our church. We believe in the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of hell, and they are at war with one another. There's clashes going on constantly. We can't see most of them. Uh, sometimes they manifest in the physical whenever there's a bad war or there's, a, there's an outbreak of something or the evil takes place. We see a manifestation of it. But behind the scenes, there's a spiritual warfare that's going on that we can't see unless we're tuned into what God is doing. But here's the thing. Constantly through the airwaves, and you know this if you watch the news, it's all really bad. It's all really negative. The reason why it's all really bad and why it's all really negative is because that's what sells. There's been some news agencies that say, let's, let's actually report on something fun and positive. And guess what? The ratings go down because good news, what God is doing, does not sell. What sells is fear. What, what sells is negativity. What sells is this whole doomsday stuff. And see, God wants us to get our mind's eye on what he is doing. At the same time, we're to mourn with those that mourn and we're to grieve with those that grieve, right? Um, this book and this series and where I, I need to take you right now is that uh, we have this, 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 this competition in our, in our mind to focus on either what the devil's doing or what God is doing. And I want to encourage us to focus on what God is doing. Even though what we are going to be going through is the complete antidote, it is the healing presence of God, it will destroy fear, anxiety, and depression. What we're going to do is going to destroy fear, anxiety, and depression. But here's the irony. Here's the twist. We are not going to be focusing on fear, irony, depression, anxiety. We're not going to be focusing on those things. Those things are not from God. Those things are from the enemy of God. We need to acknowledge it. We need to call it out. But we need to regaze our focus on what God is doing and how good he really is. There is, uh, uh, Rick Warren said this. I might as well give him credit. He probably ripped it off from somebody else. He did, actually. He did rip this off from somebody else. Uh, but and it's a biblical axiom. What we resist in our lives will persist. Hmm? So if we're always constantly focusing on how bad we are, we will continue to be bad. If we continually, def- if we're always focusing on, uh, oh, my relationship is a, it's a disaster. Your relationship will continue to be a disaster. A few weeks ago, when the senior pastor of Inland Hills Church committed suicide, uh, do you know what his series was on? Mental health. And dealing with anxiety and depression. And the great irony, he takes his own life in the middle of his own series on anxiety and depression. And I think that's because he was resisting it and it persisted and he lost that warfare. So we're not going to be focusing on anxiety and depression and how screwed up and jacked up you are. I already know that. (laughs) Right? Now we're going to see what God's doing. We're going to see what happens when we begin to divert our attention away from our anxiety 
and we begin to look at how happy we could be if we just begin to take the field. The mind is the battlefield. And for most of us, we've allowed the devil to make our minds his playground. And it's, it's time to go to war. It, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's not the devil's amusement park. We need to change that. Our mind, we need to come to the realization that in our mind, we go to war with the enemy of God. And we can win. We can win each and every time that we submit ourselves to the work of Jesus in our lives. We win this battle each and every time that we hold every thought captive and we make those thoughts obedient to Jesus. This series is important because you need to take the field and our church needs to take the field. I, um, I made the high school, believe it or not, I made the high school varsity football team. I made the cut. I'm 5'6". I didn't play a whole lot, but I made the team. I kind of even got MVP one time. I did, yeah. I made the team. We lost every single game. Uh, are you ready for this? Just because you're saved and just because you've made the team doesn't mean you're winning. Just because you're going to heaven, you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, just because you stepped across that line of faith doesn't mean that you have victory in your life, does it? Victory takes place when we go to war. A lot of us Christians in the church today, we have the Lord as our Savior, but we don't have Him as our victor. Jesus came to the planet to save humanity from its sin. For God so loved the world that He, that he gave His only begotten Son. Whoever should believe in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And then the John 10, 10 that we're going to be, that I've, I've been harping on for a while, and we're going to continue to harp on it. Jesus says, I have, uh, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come. This is what Jesus said. So there's two parts. Uh, he, he came to save the world from its sin. And then, but part, the, that's part A. Hmm? But there's another part A. And it is so that you may have a victorious life. Here and now. The whole salvation part, once we step across the line of faith, we're saved by grace through faith. Once we get that, once we're like, yes, I'm going to heaven. Um, the enemy of God un unleashes his troops. You weren't a threat before. He could care less about you when you're living your sinful life. I mean, unless he wants to advance his cause. 
But, but like, really, you're not a threat to him if, you, if you're not walking with the Lord. He doesn't care. But once we say, you know what, I'm going to surrender my life to the Lord. I'm going to begin to walk with him. And then you, then you take on the, the target. And then it's on. We need to at least have an idea that, um, that we're at war. In your previous life, you were at war with God. When you surrendered to him, you be, now became at war with the enemy of God. There's just a realization of it all. So we need to take this field. And God has called us to live in victory. To live in a, in a lifestyle that says, you know what? I'm going to win. Uh, you know what? I'm going to allow my mind to focus on Scripture. All Scripture is God-breathed and it's useful. Even the negative, scary stuff that's in the Bible. But because our minds are so jacked up, we spend way too much time looking at the negative stuff. Like Revelation and the end of the world and monsters and things. I, I, I do that. I got, I got problems. <laughs> so I, got, I, just like, I like dragons and things, right? Here's some scriptures that uh, we need to get. Ephesians 6.13 Therefore, put on the full armor of God. A lot of Christians are walking around without any armor on. So that when the day of evil comes, you be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, you still continue to stand. You need to put this armor on. Like... Figuratively, but spiritually, literally. Breastplate of light, righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth. You need to put these things on each and every day. Just like when you put your clothes on. You need to put these things on too. If you leave your house without your armor on, um, it's not going to be fun. First uh, John 5, 4. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. Do you feel this one as being true? Are you born of God? Are you a child? Are you a son and a daughter of God? Answer is yes. Do you, do you, is this true? Do you feel as if you've overcome the world? You're like, no, I feel like the world's like kicking me right now. Do you feel that way? I, I understand. Because it does feel that way. Like that's your reality. Like that's, that's what's happening. But that's not what truth is because the word of God is what's true. And what the word of God says is that everyone born of God overcomes the world. So we can overcome this thing. This is the victory that has come, that has overcome the world and even our faith. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty seven. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us victory. We need to get it. We need to take it. It's there for the taking. John sixteen thirty three. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. What's the other part? I have overcome the world. Usually we kind of stop there. In this world you will have trouble. And we, we quit reading. At that point. No, in this world, we will have trouble. We know that. It's just going to happen. But Jesus has overcome 
the world. In taking the field, what we're going to learn is when you fight on the playing field, when you're fighting on the board, when you're in the trenches, it's where the action takes place. But perspective is so important. And what we're going to learn is that in the midst of our most difficult situations, we need to get above it. And we have this ability, we have this power through the Holy Spirit. We have this ability and strength through Jesus. We can rise above each and every problem in each and every situation. And half the time, we just need perspective. We need to get up and above it. We need to, in order to take the field, we need to get onto the high point. Napoleon was a master at this. Like, he would have lost his battles if he hadn't said, you know what? Um, we're going we're gonna to fight this thing in the trenches, but I, as the leader, I need to get up above it, and I need to take a look at the surrounding areas, and I need to figure out how we're going to divide and conquer. You can't, ready for this? You can't fight all of your problems at the same time. Some of us are dealing with marriage problems. Some of us are dealing with financial problems. Some of us are dealing with health problems. Some of us are dealing with work problems. And we think that we can take them all on at the same time. And what the Lord is really saying, okay, let's get up above it and let's just, let's just pick one off at a time. Because you don't have the mental capacity to fix all of your problems. The Holy Spirit does. So we need to allow Him to lead us to get perspective. The temptation that we have when we get up above our problems is that we want to keep on running away. And we're going to make sure that doesn't happen either. So I want to invite you during this next season. Like, this is dig in. It's going to... Um, like, this meeting isn't good enough. No matter how amazing my sermons are. Right? It's not good enough. Look... If I forget what I talk about three days later, <laughs> like if I'm forgetting my own sermons, it's like I, was, I watched my sermon the other day. I was like, oh my gosh, did I actually say that? That's pretty good. Man, you should listen to yourself, Josh. You're pretty, you can learn something. It ain't good enough. You can't rewire your mind one day a week for an hour. Uh, when the news has got you every day for two. You can't uh, transform your mind one hour on a Sunday when media, Facebook, Instagram, uh, like there's some stats out there saying it got you 10 hours a day. So if we're giving 10 hours a day to social media, how much are we giving to the Lord? I know it's not you guys, it's your kids. Right? But if we're to see transformation in our families, like how do we pastor our kids through this stuff? Some of the other weird conspiracy stuff that I get into that's probably going to be true. But our addiction to technology is really, it's, it's changing our evolution as, as beings, as creatures. Um, the whole, eh, I'll leave it alone. But you, do you see what I'm saying? This is going to be a fight. 
I mean, it's even like undoing addictions. And I'm not talking about like sexual addictions. I'm just talking about like, like my, why are my thumbs cramping up? Right? You ever wonder why your thumbs are cramping up? It's because you're doing this too much. We got we to gotta look like, Lord, what's going on? Help me to rise above all this and figure out where you're going, where you're leading us. And so it's going to be, I'm going to call you into a discipline. Uh, daily reading. Daily prayer. Memorization of scripture. Renewing the mind. Getting it inside of us. Like, like consuming and eating the word of God. Where life takes place. And I want to encourage you to invite your friends that are lost. Like, and you know who they are. Like, they know the Bible inside out, but they're some of the most unvictorious people you've ever met in the face of the earth. And they're so negative. And that's okay. You know, even if you invite your, your Christian friends and they got a legalistic spirit, that's okay. We can work with them. The Holy Spirit will undo their religion and bring them into a right relationship. And then they'll begin to see and taste the victory of the Lord. They'll begin to see and taste that He's good. It'll change us. It'll change us all. John, come on up to the front. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Again, I want to invite you just to join this journey. Uh, Tonight we have a leadership meeting, and you're all invited to come to that if you want to know what's going on, if you want to uh, step into leadership. It's, I'm going to give you a little bit of a vision, uh, give you some direction on specific stuff that's going on with, within Granite Creek. And, uh, and then we're going to worship together. We're going to get into uh, the heart of it. We're going, worship is, is an expression of the heart. So we'll get the ushers to come to the front. And let's stand. If you don't know the Lord is your Savior, if you don't know that you're saved, now's a really good day to receive Him. And I don't even need to ask this one. So let's just pray this corporately. Father, we need more victory in our lives. Father, some of us... um, didn't even realize we were in a battle. We thought that we were good once we said yes to Jesus, but we didn't realize that uh, that it was on and the enemy of God ate our lunch. God, some of us, uh, have went, we went into battle knowing we're going into battle, but we didn't have the full armor of God on. We didn't have the helmet of salvation, so we're thinking wrong thoughts and we got worked over. Father, right now, I just pray that you begin just to give us the tools to overcome the enemy's schemes. God, we know that in your kingdom, there is the fullness of joy. And we are determined to focus on the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, forbearance, and everybody's favorite, self-control. So God, I just pray right now that you just 
draw us into a healing place, draw us into a closeness with you that uh, is transformative. I just pray right now for a a transformative uh, spirit, a transformative momentum that will rest on us, that will actually step up into our callings and up into our anointings, God. Thank you so much for the leadership and the risk that has taken place within this church already. We're excited to see the more, God. So just take us into the more. Bless this offering to its full extent. In your name, amen.